Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenithet Podcast, where you wear two wigs, because this week we watched Warlord. Written by Simon Masters. Directed by Victor Vitalis. And aired on December 14th, 1981. No one joining us this week for this episode. No, no. Unfortunately. Because nobody liked Warlord enough. <laughs> this is one of my favorite episodes of Blake 7 overall. I really liked it, and I do think Series D picked up a lot. At the end here. I do as well. This is the best of Series D, in my opinion. I still better like than uh, Sand. Than better than Sand. I still like Sand. I still like Gold. I, I'd place this above Orbit for me, though. Yeah, I wouldn't. And I'm actually kind of sad that this is the only Simon Masters script on the show. Because this was, I don't know, this was what? dealing with some real interesting concepts. What else has he, has he written not for Blake 7? Like, has he done no, anything no else idea. that we... That we know of, or actually, I didn't... That we know of? Yeah, probably, but that we have watched? <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay, well, let's... IMDB him? Yeah, let's look him up on IMDB, I guess. Simon Masters, writer Blake 7. He... Oh, Zed Cars. Zed Cars. Or Z Cars, if <laughs> you're from around here. Uh, he was script editor for Zed Cars. Melissa, the brothers, let's see, he wrote for Emmerdale. Oh, the Cluedo TV series. He wrote Classic. for Cluedo. Huh. I actually don't know a lot of this. Most of this, in fact. Rough Justice. Yes. Dallas. He wrote an episode of Dallas. Amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, actually, I mean, I don't recognize most of what's on that list. <laughs> Interesting. But it seems like mostly cop shows or like crime related yeah, shows. That's what it seems like. Which is interesting considering the themes that this episode deals with. Yeah, this episode kind of riffs on the again Star Trek kind of motif. You know, Star Trek is based around this federation of of it was founded by four different alien species coming together to start the federation, which is how this kind of starts, well, but then they do the that, then they, they do, then they do the away. then they do the Blake Seven twist where one of them is backstabbing the other one. <laughs> Did you notice? Which before- is okay because these four guys are like the acting in this was pretty bad. Like these I'll just four say that. guys. Before we go too far, because we start with Avon giving the most enthusiastic business presentation I've ever seen anybody ever give. But these four guys, did you notice the obvious reuse of Doctor Who costumes in this scene? Yeah, like scene? the one guy with the Ice Warrior helmet. The one guy with the Ice Warrior <laughs> helmet, but also the other guy who has the seal of Rassilon just on the <laughs> middle of his chest. Because <laughs> it looks like he must be wearing, like, leftover Time Lord robes. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe, you know, maybe that's how Terry Nation would write this, is that that would be Rassilon. Mm. <laughs> 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 Press X to you know, doubt. You never know. <laughs> but Paul Dow is really acting the shit out of the scene. No, well, I mean the 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 main characters in this are good as always. And what's great about this first five minutes is that Tarrant is nowhere to be seen. The instant Tarrant shows up is when everything goes wrong in this story. <laughs> that's true. Uh, within in story, I'm guessing you're talking about, and yeah, that's yeah. very true. But this scene is so interesting to me. This because this episode, it actually plays it up a bit too much at the end, I think. But right away, right off the bat, this scene sets up what this episode is about, 
which is the the conflict. Well, maybe it's not as much of a conflict as people think between empirical knowledge and I don't know, like what you'd call it, like ideational knowledge, notional knowledge, knowledge, literary knowledge, even knowledge from mm-hmm. past, from books, from uh, art. Right. And it does that in like such an interesting way where it deals with broadcast versus like live broadcast versus mm-hmm. watching a recorded video. And I just, just hear me out on this. <laughs> I don't know where you're going <laughs> with this, but I disagree. <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm but, allowed um, to do that. But, um, you know, the very first scene, Avon gives this presentation, which we can kind of explain what this is, right? Is it almost feels like series A, like the begin, like the first kind episode of. where you know they're all drugged out and stuff like that, but if, also at the end where Blake gives that like he creates like propaganda video or whatever. I mean, it feels like what God? I, I literally just thought of it right now and I forgot. It feels like a sales pitch. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I just wanted to point out how hilarious the video that Avon yeah. is showing actually yeah. is. That it looks is. like it was filmed in in like a literal mall just yeah. down the road. No, it is. Like it's it. Um, I believe was. There's video. There's a video I found on YouTube about someone going to the location where this was filmed in its animal. And there's this amazing, and I'm amazed we haven't had this on Blake 7 until this point, because it's like amazing. Picture in a picture in this video that Avon's showing that we've never seen on Blake 7 before and probably never what, will again. What do you mean by that? We have one episode left to do it. <laughs> That's why I can say that it probably never will. But, you know, people are going up the escalators and then the bottom right is like oh, a right, picture right, right. of yep. like film of the guards watching the people go up the escalator and then you see the guards shoot and then there's the light on the people as they fall down. Picture in a picture. And I was like amazed. I was well, blown away. This is the biggest technical achievement in Blake 7 by far. It's actually well, not. I'm totally overplaying it, well, but I just thought it was actually, great. It's actually interesting uh, with what this episode is doing, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, these people are getting killed by Federate. They're like drugged out and they're getting killed and they all, they're all they all numbered. They're not named well, or whatever. And I was wondering, is 54124 there? No, no, I'm just kidding. Well, they were drugged up on Pylene 50, right. which is the drug in Trader. Yeah. And which also is, the drug that they mentioned that they were trying to like reverse the effects of two episodes after Trader, but not remembering what episode <laughs> it was now, but it was well, there. That's the entire like driving motive behind this episode is that they are coming together these people from different planets, um, the non-affiliated planets, I think mm-hmm. they called them, or something along those the lines. The outer planets. Is they're coming together to act against Pylene 50. Yeah, this is totally Blake 7 does Isaac Asimov's foundation as well. I'm going to talk about that a little later. But right away, this sets up this difference between um, watching a recorded video, which is what Avon is is showing them, right? He's Mm -hmm. showing them a recording, versus live broadcast, which is what the people on Zenon Base are watching, because they're watching Avon give this presentation. Mm -hmm. And this is something that people have theorized, and I'm not going to do it justice with my explanation. I already know I'm not. But what live broadcast does to like the genre of, I don't know, like just watching stuff on screens, <laughs> uh, footage, I guess, is that it 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 makes the the liminal makes the the medium of it, uh, and I use that word in like the etymological sense, like the thing in between, halfway between actually medium, it, it brings that to the forefront more than ever because there's this idea that what live broadcast does is it takes there it limits the and let's just assume for this argument that empirical knowledge is 
completely valid, which there's a whole another debate whether it is or not. But, yeah, but let's just assume it is. But let's just assume it is for the sake of this argument. It sounds uh, regardless like one of my of physics problems. Assume this is true for this problem. <laughs> it's not in general, but assume it's true. <laughs> but what it does, th- this idea that live broadcast, watching things as they ostensibly are happening at the, you know, the same time. Well, let's just assume for this that live broadcast is truly live. Well, yeah, yeah, that's also the so thing. So that we don't say ostensibly. Let's just assume for this that live is live. That's also the thing is like, <laughs> when you think of watching something live, you there there seems to be less rhetoric to it than like something that's shot like, or like a movie where there, it's a particular like, shot mm-hmm. like it was shown to you for you know a reason it's people deciding like all right this is the angle and here's the lighting and here's what we're going to do and here's what we're going to do in this shot mm-hmm. whereas live broadcast is like all right how can you do that right it's it's live it's being shown to you well i mean the thing is that you can do that with you live can. Yeah, you broadcast can. i don't know if you're, where you're going but like you know they they started doing or brought back they used to do you know like musicals live on tv and like that's the whole thing is it you know, you have these different cameras, they and you swap between the cameras, but like all the acting and everything is done live. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like the light work is done live. So. Yeah, no, you, you definitely can for sure. But to the same extent, I'm not sure. Um, but that's but that's also just this this idea, which uh, is is theorized, I guess, in a slightly different way, where the the rhetoric of like live broadcast is that. It limits the amount of empirical knowledge that you can, or it limits your ability to question the validity of like, I don't even know what the sentence means, of, of uh, its empirical, like epistemological value in that like, it takes you out of the, I don't know, explain it. Like if you're, so for example, if you are watching footage, you mm-hmm. can be standing like recorded footage, not mm-hmm. live, you can be standing in the place where the camera was. But if you're watching a live broadcast, you can't be standing exactly where the camera is and also watch the broadcast at the same time. Say that again? <laughs> if you're stand like... What do you mean by standing where the camera is? Like physically... Physically where the, like... Imagine a camera like on a stand or just a camera yeah. placed somewhere. Okay. Uh, if you're standing like right where that camera is... Mm. And if you're watching, if, if you're watching a recorded footage, you can be standing where the camera was that recorded that footage, okay. and watch it at the same time. Okay. But if you're standing right where a camera that's broadcasting something live is, you can't be watching the broadcast. Why not? Because then you would, then what would be broadcasted would be just a continuum of like nothingness I don't think you I know? quite get it yeah no I mean if you're if you're standing right where a camera I mean are you replacing the camera in this scenario or no then I mean because then you could be standing really like if you could replace the camera then it, well, it wouldn't be broadcasting but from the same location mm-hmm. but I mean I guess like in a way yeah you are but like you can't because the camera's there you can't be there at the same time you know, you can't like be right where the camera is and be watching the broadcast. Whereas you could be right where, the, because the camera's not, like if the footage is recorded, the camera's not necessarily there anymore. Okay. So you're standing there. I see. Imagine you're like looking at a landscape and you're also at the same time watching footage of that exact landscape being recorded. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, 
think about it in terms of time. Like if you're watching that broadcast, you're not right where the camera is at that time, you know? Okay. Why is that important though? Because it limits the amount of there, there's a, there's a sense that like what you have then, all you have then is the broadcast. That's all you have to go by in terms of the empirical knowledge that you can give, which is kind of paradoxical. It's empirical knowledge uses the, the senses, but what broadcast does is it takes that and says, all right, your senses are now mediated. Um, because, because you can't be where, where this, you, you, because you can't be in this situation, all you have now is what the camera's showing you. The mm-hmm. potential for things to be different if you were there is not possible because you couldn't possibly be there and see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And that's a thread throughout this entire episode is people watching things and believing things based on what they're seeing in a mediated sense. But there's also this thread of like, you know, the the thing of like, you know, believe my words and not my not what you see or whatever. And, uh, Other way around. Believe what you, if you don't believe my words, believe what you see with your eyes. Well, that's anyway. what, that's what Zucan says. Yeah. Uh, but that's what ends, that's what results in his death when he doesn't believe uh, his daughter. But we'll get there. But that's not his eyes, see. That was the thing is that it, it, that's the thing is that, is that he actually, the reason why he dies is because he actually does believe what people see. Because people claim to see his daughter on the exactly. planet. So they, so what he believes is uh, the empirical the sight. Yeah, but not just the words, not just the. I don't. Again, I don't know what you would call it because again, there's in the past three hundred years, there's been a privileging of empirical knowledge, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Although I use that word importantly, necessarily a bad thing, um, but. So, because there's not even a word for like what this really is, I guess literary knowledge. There's this actually, there's a book. It came out like in the past, it came out this year, like a couple months ago, called "The Experimental Imagination" by mm-hmm. Tita Chico, um, who was like this literary theorist, I guess. She talks a lot about this. It's an interesting book. Although um, I hate how I don't hate, but I just like how she deals with James Thompson's Winter, which is like one of my favorite poems, and she says some stupid ass shit about it, but. <laughs> Except as you've noted multiple times on this podcast and trust your doctor, if you can draw evidence from the text, any opinion about the text is valid, about what the text is saying, as long as you back it up with evidence from the text. Yeah, but the but not all opinions are equal. No. And I'm I think hers it, are not I mean, you could have an opinion about as, her opinion, but that doesn't make her opinion less valid if she backs it up with evidence from the text is what I'm saying. Yeah, but when I say, like, unequal, I mean, like, the way that you draw from the text and the things you say about the text based on the conversations and based on what other people have said um, also needs to be well-researched. Does it have to be well-researched? Yeah. It does. I mean, if you want people to believe it, like, yeah. What if you don't care if people believe it or not, bro? Then you're probably not writing in academic settings. No, exactly, is. like this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she is. <laughs> Also, she just says stuff that I don't agree with because I yeah. believe, because I don't know. I point to other moments in the poem. And there's like, that see, doesn't make see, it. you're wrong. I mean, but then I guess you, it, your opinion is contrary to hers, but I, you know, 
just based on like the whole if if you can draw evidence from the text then your opinion is valid that doesn't mean that her opinion like is i guess empirically stupid it's just stupid to you like i might read her i might read her points and be like yeah i think she makes a good point and i agree right yeah you might but then i would completely disagree with that yeah and that's okay. I mean, I know, I know we joke I know, yeah, a lot about okay. opinions being wrong, but <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimatum of subjectivity. Anyway, these people are forming this this coalition of planets to fight the Federation. Except they're all like, we don't have armies, and you kind of oh. wonder why Avon f- found the three planets the, who don't have armies. Just, just going back a second, the reason why I brought that book up in the first place is that she calls the. Not opponent, because what this entire book is about is how empirical knowledge and what she calls literary knowledge are actually more implicit in one another than people really think. But that's what she, the reason why I brought it up is because she uses that term literary knowledge, mm-hmm. which I want to apply here because, I mean, even though it's not literature, it's, you know, the spoken word, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, Avon's showing them this video. He's doing real fancy point <laughs> motions and... He's like, you can help us now. And anyway, they're not really buying it because it's like, again, he got the three planets that literally don't have any armies. Yeah, but four planets. And what's interesting here is that Avon is is using not there. There's live broadcast in this scene, but it's not it's not what's being used to like propagandize this thing. It's actually the recorded footage. But interestingly, in in some way, I hate to go back to this because we've talked about it so much. But in some way, this recorded footage also resembles live broadcast in a way that like if you were in this situation you would like you couldn't be seeing what the camera's seeing because you get shot <laughs> right and there's that moment at the end of the video where the guard's like oh shit there's a camera here and he goes and like runs and either breaks it or turns it off and you wonder like how they got the footage if that's the case right well i guess they didn't destroy the footage or it gets uploaded to a server somewhere <laughs> off planet or something like I said, this is Blake Seven does foundation in, in like a couple ways, but like the main point is you know in foundation the the human empire collapses. It was sh- it doesn't collapse like immediately, you know, it collapses over time, much the way the Federation seems to have done in this damn show. And you know, part of the it's not foundation. I think it's foundation and empire is that. This you know guy unites the outer planets, the mule. He, the mule, in this case being Avon, unites the outer planets to kind of push back against the remnants of the human empire as they try to push against the the outer worlds, as they're literally called in Foundation. Yeah. But it's, these so guys, they don't want to cooperate. They also, again, they don't have armies because they've all been destroyed by. What's the name of the other planet now? Began with a B, and I keep B- wanting to say Belkov, but that's the name of a person. A beta something or the other? Beta. Uh, beta. Beta. Beta file. That's what it is. Beetlejuice. Beta file. Beta file. What is it? Beta. Beta file. F A R L. File. Anyway, but then wow. the guy from Beta file, Zukan, shows up with his glorious with his pink, <laughs> pink top man knot. bun. His <laughs> pink man bun. And he's the warlord. He's the titular warlord. Yeah. He's like, all right, here's what's happening. I'll help you guys. And then they do this, like, hilarious, but I loved it, over-the-top, like, where they all pledge their support to this new fledged alliance, and then they all clink their glasses together, and they all they all go, I pledge, and they all do this really over-exaggerated, like, 
clinking of the glasses yeah. together. Well, this is where they. I don't know what this what because this is the same it effect. Shoots out like static electricity. Yeah, and yeah. this is the same effect as what happens later <laughs> when the they mess with the air ducts. So yeah. I don't know if this was because they haven't done that yet. But this was supposed to be foreshadowing oh, no. for it or something like that? I don't know. I really don't know. But what's interesting here is Zucan has this line, because um, they don't believe that he's already put like massive amounts of funds into uh, counteracting Pylene 50. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, if you don't believe my words, believe the evidence of your own eyes. But So then what he shows them is, surprise, a live broadcast where you know, they couldn't possibly believe the evidence of their own eyes because they couldn't be there if they're watching the broadcast. But they are. Again, it's a mediated space where they have no access, really, to empirical knowledge. Except they do have access in this case, because they're in the same facility. I mean, they can go with, there. They can just go they there. They can go there, but they couldn't They're be, just all yeah. deciding to be lazy. <laughs> they couldn't be watching the broadcast if they were there. And that's why Zucan saying, believe the evidence of your own eyes, and showing them the broadcast is a form of propaganda. But, I mean, the point of this isn't not to believe the, your own eyes. The point of this is, like, not to believe just your eyes because yeah, in the I, broadcast you've only got your eyes but like if they went down in there they could like open the box and they could smell whatever's inside they could feel it they can listen right there are other senses you can use and then they'd be like there's a fucking bomb in here right I, I i do agree that this episode is not against empirical knowledge i, I do think this epi- the like rhetoric of this episode argues for a knowledge that includes the empirical but also more mm-hmm which is interesting in a science fiction setting. Anyway, it turns out Zukan's daughter, Sia. Ziona. <laughs> looks like Sia in her massive wigs that she wears when she's performing. I don't even know who that is. The singer-songwriter, Sia. Sia? S-I-A. Maybe she was like, hmm, Ziona? Siona? Sia? I don't know. Sia actually... Covers her face while she performs because she, uh, there was a reason for this. She used to show her face, but then she like retired. But then she, when she came back, when she came back to singing, she started covering her face in live performances. And I think it was, it was something like, oh, she didn't want to be recognized, but also she wanted her vocals to stand on, on their own. Interesting. I have to look up the exact reason. Okay. Anyway, it's just Ziona's wig. Reminded me of Sia's. It looks like she's wearing two wigs because she has... Yeah, one on either side. They're pretty big. Yeah. And the pink. I guess everybody on Beta File, <laughs> beta file has pink. pink. The outer hair. one is like blondish pink. And... All she, two people on Beta File. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I just came because, you know, I wanted to get off Beta File. But also because I wanted to see Terra. It turns out Terra just had this mad love affair with Ziona yeah. in the past. This is the part of the episode where it's like, great, it's a Tarrant episode. Not only is it a Tarrant episode, it's a romantic Tarrant episode. Well, Tarrant shows up and then him and Ziona sneak off to go, I guess, <laughs> sleep together when no one's yeah, watching. This is the part of the episode where things start to fall apart because Tarrant shows up. Shows up. But no, no, I mean, really, I kind of I liked where this episode went, actually. It kind of begs the question, like, does Tarrant really love Leona? He seemed pretty willing to just kind of sleep with Serverland. I guess the justification is, well, he thought he was going to die in sand, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you think, do you think he's ever going to mention, like, offhandedly to Leona, like, hey, by the way, I totally slept with Serverland? <laughs> well, the scene at the end, he looks pretty distraught. Yeah, it's his own fault, though. Do you really think about it? 
Okay, well, I mean, if you question whether or not he really cared about her, I'd say, like, yeah, he looks pretty distraught at the end. Yeah. I guess. Is he just playing it up, though, like... As soon as Dana leaves, he's just like, <laughs> Got him. <laughs> is he doing a villa, is the question. And I would argue no, but... Yeah, I don't think he is. Yeah. I like, because I just like, I want to continue believing... We're almost at the end of the show, so I can that Tarrant is just... Inept. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I don't know if you scroll down to the comments when you watch these episodes on... No, because um, I I'm... download them off... Oh, you do? Yeah, I download them off the site so that I can watch it without being connected to the internet. Yeah, I normally don't... Well, I do. I, do. I watch them online, and I normally don't scroll down, but I did on this one, and the very first comment was possibly the best comment on YouTube or, or, or even the internet in general, which is, it was something along the lines of like, hate Terrence, just want to punch that little piece of garbage. <laughs> Don't we all? Random anonymous internet commenter. <laughs> Don't we all? Anyway, we get some shots where Zuken finds out Leona's on the planet, and I think he finds out because his subordinate like spies on... The, the Scorpio crew and sees Leona with them. Yeah, there's some Sue establishing... Lin is, like, keeping it secret because, you know, Leona's like, I don't want my dad to know. He'll be really upset. There's some establishing shots of this guy who that indicate that, all right, this guy's one in league with Zucan and is up to no good. Right. Turns out he's planting bombs. Yep. And, I mean, later on, in a few minutes, he has this scene where Zucan gives him what looked like cans of spray paint. He's like, all right, plant these all over the, the area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of Su Lin's hair, uh, in a in an episode with as crazy designs as this one had, it doesn't stand out as much, but it's sort of like, it's also kind of a top knot bun thing, kind of yeah. like Zucan's, but it has like a braid wrapped around it. Yeah. We didn't mention the other whack hairstyles in this, because I mean, Zucan's <laughs> and Leo, uh, sorry, Ziona's are pretty out there, but you know, the, the one guy who had like the giant just pillar. Yeah. Shout out to that guy for having a... <laughs> Who was probably the worst actor in this. I didn't write down the line, but if you're watching the episode, it'll stand out. It's like the one line that this guy has. Anyway. And he mucks it up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's part for the course here, really. <laughs> they decide basically to send... I don't remember what what it was exactly they decide to send Ziona needs to get well Zukan wants Ziona off Zenon base right because he's about to blow the place to smithereens <laughs> well that but that's not the reason why he sends Scorpio back to beta file he sends them carrying something yeah Ziona back. no something more than Ziona there was something else and Ziona was like a side trip and that's why they couldn't just go back for Ziona once she teleported off was because they had something else they were delivering to Betafall, and I don't remember what it was. No, the, the reason they give for not going back to pick up Ziona is that if they do that, Zukan will know that she's back on the base. At that point, they don't know the bomb. They don't know about the whole bomb plot. Uh, they just don't want Zukan to know that Ziona's back I'm there. I'm sure there was something else that they were carrying back to Betafall, though. I don't, if there is, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember because Tarrant was supposed to be the pilot. That was the thing is that 
that's why they changed the pilot out because Tarrant was originally going to pilot Scorpio to beta file carrying whatever this was. But then when they find Ziona and Ziona's going back on Scorpio, he tells Avon to, that he should pilot it instead of Tarrant because he doesn't want Ziona and Tarrant to be on the ship together. I think he's just saying that as a dad doesn't want Tarrant and Ziona going well, no, off somewhere. Yeah, he doesn't but want them. Because there's also this thing where Servaland comes back later and she's like, you shouldn't have let Avon pilot the ship. We needed Avon on the base. No, no, yeah, I agree. He's just being a dad. He doesn't want Tarrant and Ziona together. But the thing is, Tarrant was slated to pilot Scorpio before they even found Ziona. That's what I'm saying. That's no, well, how maybe I, it's he was just the pilot. I don't know. That's how I'm sure that oh, there was yeah. something else. Yeah, I see what you mean. But I, I don't remember that. I don't know. I don't remember like any, like. I'm sure there was something huh. else they were carrying back to Beautiful. Well, let us know. <laughs> I should have listening to this. And there was a reason why they had to take it on the Scorpio too, because otherwise Zukan would have just taken Ziona back with him. Because then, Z- then Zukan later on was like, well, guess we can leave now, wink, wink, to his buddy, because he wasn't actually supposed to leave yet. I don't know. Whatever. He decided, <laughs> okay, right. Zukan decides to leave uh, after Avon- Su Lin teleports Ziona back, because I guess Su Lin is a believer in true love, because Ziona and Tarrant are in love, and she just wants to do all these amazing things for Tarrant. And it's like, Su Lin, why would you help Tarrant? Tarrant, the person who's like the least competent of the crew. Tarrant. Maybe she just doesn't want Ziona to be under her father's thumb. Maybe, but Su Lin is like, I understand what it's like to have your parents die because my parent, my dad right. was killed when I was a kid. And it's like, Su Lin doesn't really relate to then, Ziona. Well, she, well, you have to relate to someone too, not want to see them under their parents' thumb. But this is this is really the first and probably last instance where I'd say we really get something for Su Lin. Yeah. Because we get kind of her, and I like how it's done. It's it's kind of subtle. It's not really discussed all that much, um, but we get that her parents were killed, kind of like Dana, mm-hmm. another mm. Dana Sulin similarity. Mm. But that she made the killers regret it eventually. Yeah, she killed them is yeah. what she's implying. Right. <laughs> she has a personality in this episode. She does stuff. Mm-hmm. And ju- but just coming like one episode from the end. Yeah, is, it's is what it is. Too little, too late, kind of thing. But at least they tried. You know, I'll give them that. And then Avon storms and he's like, what did you do? And she's like, I sent her back. And Avon's like, you fool. <laughs> I mean, it is because as soon as Zukan gets back to beta file, beta file, he's going to be like, where the hell is my daughter? And then he's going to come back. And if he wasn't planning to bomb them already, which he is, he, he would be. <laughs> so, But they decide not to go back because otherwise Zukan will know that Ziona yeah. is back there. But then Orak is like, hey, there's a bomb in the base. And Tarrant's like, what? <laughs> and Tarrant accidentally sets it off by running into it, I another, guess. Another instance where he should have believed words rather than his own sight. Because yeah, Orak he... is telling him where it is. And he's like, I don't see anything. And he, he walks <laughs> right into it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, he probably should Get have asked Orak. knowledge, he, Tarrant. He probably should have asked Orak how to disarm the bomb before <laughs> going in there. <laughs> Freaking Terrence should have died. He, wa- he should have died right here. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I wasn't sure. I was a little unsure because it sounded like Zukan set the bomb off like manually, but it also seemed like by the way Terrence walked up to where it was supposed to be that was like motion activated. So I wasn't really sure. But if it was motion activated, Terrence should have asked Orak how to disarm this bad boy before going in. <laughs> 
even if it wasn't, Terrence should have asked Orakai to disarm this bad boy. Villa's getting drunk on the side now. As soon as the bomb goes off, he finds the bottle of wine, and he's like, I'm going to just get smashed. Pretty sure Villa is just completely over almost dying every other day. I point. would be too, honestly. <laughs> I mean, he's like, look, we're going to die down here. May as well get drunk while we're down here. That's kind of his justification. He doesn't and, outright say that, but... Well, later on, when, when they're wondering whether or not they're about to die if they flip the switch, Villa's like, well, do go on. Like, what difference does it make? Like, just do it. We either die now or we die in 14 hours. Plus, he's actually being pretty clever, though, because I would rather die quickly in a massive blast of radiation than die slowly suffocating from lack of oxygen. <laughs> like, just make it quick. If I'm going to die, make it quick, right? All right, I'll remember that. Thanks. <laughs> remember, if, if this podcast ends, I die, so... Not this podcast, no, trust, trust your doctor. your doctor. This one we can but you die too. <laughs> but you die, too. Trust your doctor ends. I mean, well, if I was going to choose there, how I die, I'd rather just die in my sleep, thanks. Right, I'll remember that. <laughs> what are you planning to do to me? <laughs> just putting ominously this in the file for later. <laughs> ominously saying I'll remember that. If you want to read it as ominous, go ahead. It, it's, it's pretty <laughs> ominous. Pretty ominous. I'm look, believing both I'm, my ears and my eyes since I'm looking straight at you. It's pretty look, ominous. All I'll say is that both you and I have said many things that we regret on this podcast that we regret entering into recording on this podcast thankfully some of the most <laughs> egregious of those i've cut out and we'll never see the light of day uh, good thing we're not live streaming this <laughs> yikes and that's the thing about live streaming is that you could be listening to a live stream while you're there because there's no visual element Usually. Well, if it's audio, if it's audio, if it's audio. So that's totally different. That's theorized in a totally different way. Someone could be sitting right here, right now, listening to us, <laughs> but also listening to the live stream. I don't know where they would sit. <laughs> I guess they could use that chair over there. Emptied it. Anyway. Avon and Sulin land on Betafile and immediately get attacked, but then Sulin's like, I'm Ziona, and apparently these Federation guards have no idea that Ziona has big pink hair because they just buy it. Apparently these Federation guards are mute. Because <laughs> even when, I don't know if you noticed this, but even there's a scene later where Sulin directly talks to one of the Federation guards and like asks them something, and he doesn't respond. He just kind of walks up to her and she, she kills him. But yeah... Sylvan has a very minor part in this. She has a minor part, but I think she's interesting thematically. She, at this point, Zucan is revealed to be working with Sylvan. Is right, revealed to be working with Sylvan. Um, he's on Betafarl, yeah, and he's talking with Sylvan. And Sylvan does this interesting thing where she turns again. I brought this term up because I wanted to use it because there's no better term but literary knowledge in a way that's similar to like to broadcast to where all you have to go on is her word i forget exactly what she says to or i forget exactly what she's talking about but what she says is that zukan has no choice but to trust her words or something like that mm -hmm. he has no other means to access what they're even dealing with similar to to broadcast um so he has to trust her right so again that's why i think that this episode doesn't necessarily argue for a total discarding of empirical knowledge because it also calls into question the validity of like the 
the ability to like trick people with your words and stuff like that. Right. Servaland does again. Actually, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about again. Has she done this in the past? Yeah. Yeah, I guess she has. Yeah. I mean, Zucan's like whatever, man. Zucan then leaves to go. I guess go conquering, and the ship goes spiraling out of control. Right, but when as as Servaland leaves, we see her put something on the door. Yeah. Well, she also finds out that Avon is on Beetlefar. She's like, well, that's pretty good. But then Avon escapes because Zion is actually Sulin, and they get back on Scorpio right. and start and, flying and back. not using the access she has to empirical knowledge, Servaland believes that it's Ziona. I mean, Servaland believes Servaland. that it's Avon, too. Yeah. Well, she's right about that. Yeah. Still, she just believes it. Yep. I think she just kind of doesn't care about the situation. <laughs> I think she really doesn't care about this whole plan at all. I really don't think she has any faith in Zucan at all. I don't think she thinks this will work. No, and I also get the impression that she doesn't believe that the... Um, even if Zucan fails, I don't think she believes that the the plan to counteract Pylene 50 could even be a threat to her. Well, not only that, Zucan keeps hidden from her the location of Xenon base. Right. Because she's like, if you just told me where Xenon base is, this would all be over. Right, so you kind of get the impression that that's what she's really in this for, is to learn yeah. where the base is. Yeah. Not, not any of this Pylene 50 Zucan nonsense. She just wants the info. <laughs> Back on the Man, base. Zucan a- was just a pawn in her game, wasn't he? Zucan was also... Dumb. I mean, really, it was this whole this whole episode was a chess match between Zucan and and Silverland and Avon and Ziona and the crew were just pawns because Zucan's just trying to get Zucan's just trying to get freaking fleet so we can conquer all the other outer worlds. Silverland's just trying to find out where Xenon base is, and neither of the two are giving the other person what they actually want, but they're all being oblique about. They're like giving them things that are like tertiary to what they want <laughs> well, you know Zucan blew up Zen on base Servaland's giving Zucan monetary support it's not what they want but it'll get them there right yeah and they kind of have to posture and do all this to enact yeah. their convoluted plans and stuff like Servaland that Servaland ends up winning in the end because Servaland's a genius does. and she always wins but uh, that's interesting that you bring that up because I think that's partly the reason why Avon is like a lot cooler in this episode or it feels a lot more like his old self than he did in like Orbit because he's not really, he's not the aggressor in this. He's not like the the mm. mastermind he is in orbit. He's just trying to survive. Yeah. Just kind of even though Avon, out of everybody in this story, is in the best position to survive because he's on Scorpio flying back <laughs> yeah. with Sulin under absolutely no threat at all. Because <laughs> Zucan's spinning out of control. He's like, I need help, and people on Zalon base are like, we need help, and. They, there's a three-way Zen- communication going well, on when, here. We didn't mention that when the bombs went off on, on the base. It sealed them in. It sealed them in. There was a ca- there's been cave-ins. Um, there's rubble everywhere. Presumably everyone else has died or gotten caught as well. Right. Um, and they've tried to... They There's a lot of time spent in this episode also messing around with computers and trying to find a way out and stuff like that. Yeah. Which Avon- is thematically interesting, but, you know. There's that neat little thing where the interface to like seal off part of the the ducts is like drawing a little box and deleting yeah. it or whatever. Well, right before that, I don't remember what this is referring to, but my favorite Avon line in this is that I think I think it's now actually when they they somebody tells Avon that something is nearby and he kind of 
points at Slave in like a really aggressive manner and goes, find it, Slave. And I just thought it was a hilarious line. Well, then Slave replies with, I, uh, I already have. But like one time he's, he's been competent. <laughs> uh, but I just love Paul Darrow's acting. Find it, Slave. <laughs> anyway, they pull up this schematic diagram. I actually think Slave finds the schematic diagram of the base is what he's looking for. And it's like an ASCII diagram. ASCII? <laughs> yeah, an ASCII diagram of the ventilation system on Xenon yeah. base. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he tells Tanner to just reverse, because the bomb apparently reversed the airflow in one of the ducts, so it's sucking air out instead of sending it in. So he tells Tarrant to reverse it so that they'll get fresh air so they'll survive till... Avon and Sulin arrive on the base. But also the thing is, it's it's pumping in a, a virus. Yeah, it's pumping in the radiation <laughs> virus. Yeah. I think it's what it's called. I think it's actually called a radiation Dana virus. calls it a radioactive virus. And then Leon, really? Ziona's like, Zucan, tell them how to stop it because I'm on the base. And he's like, no, you're not. You're on beta file. Well, he has this breakdown when he finds out or when Ziona tells him this. He's like, no, that's not possible. Like, you have to be on Betafaro, you were seen, and stuff like that. Yeah. So this is the moment where it all comes to a head, where Zucan doesn't believe Ziona's words. He wants to believe in the, again, faulty empirical evidence that she was on Betafaro. I mean, it's kind of going back to that series C thing where it's like, you believe what people tell you. Doesn't I mean, he never saw Ziona himself, but he's believing his subordinates that they saw her, right? He's believing that it's that the Federation troopers know who Ziona is and that this lady who claims to be Ziona actually is. Right. And bringing it all back to broadcast, the Federation soldiers are... Incompetent. I say broad, incompetent, but they're also the medium here, right? There's mm-hmm. there's a medium... Um, I don't know. I mean, now the more I think about it, the more this episode seems to deal with the idea that empirical evidence is useful if you're actually using it properly, like yeah. in terms of like... Using your senses to get information. To make not, a well-informed not, decision. Right, and not using your senses in a mediated way where there's something in between, where there's a live broadcast in between where you couldn't possibly be there or where there's mm-hmm. like a guard telling you something. Right. Anyway, Zucan blows up well before he said he would. <laughs> well, kind of sucks for him. Does he? He's yeah. spiraling out of control. Yeah, but he's like, Avon's like, look, we can make it to you, but... Oh, yeah, you're right. He, he, he has t- a couple hours. He has he a couple was- hours because he's like, look, the people on Xenon will be dead before we get to you. And the people on Xenon have 14 hours before they'll die. So it's like, it'll take him at least 14 hours to get to Zucan. But then Zucan just blows up right now. Yep. Anyway, it turns out their plan works. They get fresh air and they survive. And then we get this, like jump cut of like a couple days because now everybody's chilling on Scorpio it like cuts to everybody on Scorpio and Avon's like you know I really liked Xenon base can we get Xenon base back up and running I, was it, I didn't get the impression there was a couple days it had I to have been at like least a, 25 hours because Avon says it'll take them 25 hours to get back to Xenon base I guess but I mean it's just sure. a weird cut because it's it's just like a super it's like a big time jump that wasn't immediately evident Anyway, 
and it's like three minutes before the end of the episode. Like it would have been fine to well, just Well, they had end to kill it. off Ziona. Well, I was going to say, it would have been fine to just end up there and then just Ziona doesn't show up next week because yeah. that's what they've done on Blake 7 before. Like this whole final three minutes wasn't necessary in my opinion. And in my opinion, are the weakest three minutes of the episode. Well, all right. I mean, they're only three minutes and they're right at the end. So yeah, if you have a problem with them. I do. Then it's a small problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens here is that they want to go like they got to deactivate the radioactive virus, but only Ziona knows how to do it. But Tarrant doesn't want to. Tarrant wants to do it himself, but Ziona's like, no, 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 I got to do this. So she goes down. She's wearing the suit properly and everything. And she would have made it out alive if it wasn't for that meddling, taking her glove off. Yeah, she took her glove off. I think she wanted to die because she found out Zukan was dead. I guess. I mean, that's what the, that's the implication I got looking back on, like, the way she delivered the lines. She was like, you know I have to do this, Tarrant. Like, yeah, I guess she was going off to her death, but she's taking longer than she should be, and Tarrant and Dana go down to investigate, and they find her dead. And Tarrant's like, Apparently, no! The, vi- the virus just, like, turns you into a skeleton right away. Kind of like, <laughs> what was it, Hawkins' radiation last week? In oh, orbit. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and Dana is seems distraught, but also is like, whatever, kind of walks away. Tarrant yeah, seems more shaken up. Tarrant. Yeah. Sorry, Tarrant. Heck yeah. I was like, yeah, at the end of this, where Tarrant's like crying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't wish the death of a loved one on anyone. No, no, I just wish other bad things to happen to Tarrant. Like, like what? Like getting caught in an explosion. Which he did in this episode. <laughs> and he survived unscratched. <clears throat> Terrence freaking Superman. <sighs> How would Terry anyway, Nation do war? Um, well, I, do you have other stuff to say? I mean, I Let's just wanted to Yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, I really like this episode. My favorite of Series D because of all the thematic and interesting stuff that this is dealing with. Science fiction is a perfect place to deal with the 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 relationship between empirical science i guess which is what most people mean when they say science and literature and fiction Mm -hmm. and often science fiction doesn't do that which it doesn't have to but since it's the perfect place to then there you go and i also like how this episode isn't about because there's so it's so easy when you're dealing with like epistemology to just be like well empirical knowledge is garbage or like or like learning from books is total garbage like we need total empiricism it's so easy to just do that and i think this episode doesn't do that. I think it's more mm-hmm. nuanced than that. And I think it's all the better for it. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a good episode. I think it was really well-paced, well-acted, except for that one guy. Oh, I don't think it was well-acted at all. I liked the acting. I didn't like Zucan. I thought Ziona sucked. And the other people definitely weren't doing anything to save it. thought it was well-paced. I liked the plot. It was something we hadn't had in Blake 7 before. You know, the kind of federation this anti-federation being formed by avon to fight the federation well we had um voice from the past but it wasn't necessarily the same yeah but it wasn't yeah didn't have travis and you know i put it up there i think the final six episodes of series d are definitely i definitely see that upward trend that people were referring to it's just a bummer came after that like bottom out in the beginning of the season yeah that is a bummer i also don't agree with the idea that a couple people have suggested that these are some of the best episodes of blake seven i think there are other episodes in other seasons that are a lot stronger than these six yeah that's something i'm gonna wait till next week to determine i mean we'll have to we're we're about to watch the final episode i know 
It's crazy. It's kind of amazing that only three more episodes to record of this podcast. Three I mean, more planned episodes. We might come back. Three more it. episodes. <laughs> <clears throat> so, how would Terry Nation do Warlord? I don't believe that any of um, the stuff about uh, epistemology, methods to knowledge, mm-hmm. would necessarily be in this. I don't know if necessarily Servaland would be in this. I know that I've said that about a couple of episodes, but I think Servaland has such a such a such a non presence in this episode. She's there for tops two scenes, right? I think this. I think Terry Nation. Probably would exclude Serverland from this story. I think of all the stories where either he would cut down on Serverland's usage or change it, this is the one where it would be like there wouldn't be Serverland in this. Because I think, I think Terry Nation would write Zukan to just be a character who just was out, was in it for himself, uh, and realized. You need a couple other edits to this to make that possible. A couple of like, other yeah. edits, but like Zukan's motivation would be like if he could take out the other leaders, like he would come to this conference to take out the other leaders, and if he could take them out, then that would basically leave them open to conquering, which is what he wants to do. I don't know if uh, how much of the rest of the plot would play out similarly, uh, though. I mean, you know, I'm not sure how much of these concepts are Terry Nation esque concepts. Some of them are. I could see him keeping Ziona as a love interest for Tarrant in yeah, there. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. At, at this point, I don't know. I don't know how Terry Nation would write these. This is this is, this is this is a hard one. This is a really hard episode to determine how Terry Nation would do because I do think that of all the episodes, it's the one like most removed from what Terry Nation typically does uh, in terms of themes, in terms of content, in terms of just like overall plot. Just in terms of overall plot, character motivations, I think it's the most of the episodes this season, the most far removed from what Terry Nation typically does. Oh, I don't know if I would agree with that. I'd have to go through every single one and see. <laughs> uh, maybe Tarrant stays the captain of the Scorpio, and him and Ziona fly off as a loving couple, but then Sulin. When she finds out that her buddies Avon and Dana and Villa are being killed, threatens Ziona, and then Zukov's like, no, you're on the planet. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I just think it would be really thematically different. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's the biggest takeaway here. I don't actually have anything else to say in this episode, though. Yeah, that's, I mean... Again, we're one, episode. one episode from the end. And next week we'll be joined by another guest to close it out. Close out the episode. Yep. Uh, podcast. Uh, series. There's still more to Zenith after Blake. Well, of course. Because we're doing the way ahead and then we're doing our retrospective conclusion finale episode. Yep. Maybe we'll do... Um, I know there's a couple of new Blake 7 audios that are going to be coming out, I think, within the next month or two. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll... I mean, there are a lot of Blake 7 audios, but because these are coming right when the series ends, maybe depending on their content might be something to look into. I just got an email from Big Finish about a whole, like, they're doing a, uh, it's called Blake 7 Restoration. It's a, tw- they're doing a kind of a 12 part series, the Liberator crew. It's 12 parts, so I guess they're doing like sort of like a pseudo series. One a month series. type thing for a year. Or I don't know. I think they're releasing them in four 
episode chunks, but kind of like doing a, almost a season of Blake 7 in audio form since they were 12 episodes long. That's interesting. All right, we have a multitude of emails to respond to this week. We have, I think, three emails and then a whole bunch of comments on the website to uh, respond to. Three emails? Four emails, I think, actually. Because we didn't we didn't uh, have any major emails to respond to last week for... Uh, well, we didn't put them into the episode orbit because we thought it'd be weird because we only had one email at that point, and now we have like a million. So anyway, our first email is from Carl from Sydney. It's entitled Games and Sand. I found the games to be rather dull episode. The high point was Avon having something productive to do, which has been a rarity this series. He certainly does have a fondness for the ladies, even if one is a computer. On the other hand, I found Sand boring, but after listening to your review, I rewatched and enjoyed it, I think because it was unusual for Blake Seven's storyline. And then he has his fantasy Blake Seven, which is coming up soon. And then thanks again for giving me a fresh perspective on my 40th anniversary rewatch of this great show. Regards, Carl from Sydney. All right, thank you, yeah. Carl, thanks. for that email about games and sand. I barely remember them anymore, if I'm going to be honest, even though it was like just a couple of weeks ago. All right, we, have, uh, we actually have an email from St. Clinton. Hey, guys, I must say that I have loved the Zenth podcast. Hopefully at some point you will come back for some other sci-fi show besides Doctor Who. Yes, I know that doing different podcasts is difficult, as I do too myself, and I'm about to add a third one. Uh, good luck, my friend. <laughs> Anyways, attached is an audio version of what I think happened to the Surviving in Real Life crew for the fan fiction episodes. That's his Fantasy Blake 7, which will... Again, it's coming up in a few weeks, and we have the details on that. And once we finish responding to emails, and then take care of St. Clinton. So thank you. Uh, Zenith coming rapidly to a close. Uh, it's time. And we, we'll do some other sci-fi shows besides Doctor Who, but after a break, uh, you're adding a third podcast. Have fun. We handled two pretty well, but then we got yeah. the third one, and the third, third one, one was like the tipping point. <laughs> the third one was was when everything kind of went to parts. So. <laughs> All right. And we have an email from RG, Warlord. <clears throat> Good day, Zenith Warlords. Escalators are dangerous. I knew it all along. Avon must be deep in his madness by now. I find all this talking at the start of the episode to be very dull. I think the implication is that Su Lin tracked and gunned down her father's killers. It seems that the prop department has acquired a video screen, so they are determined to use it in as many shots as possible. Taren's getting some again. Season D has been good to him. <laughs> I like the way that Avon drags Taren out of the room, just grabs him and muscles him off. Avon's flight uniform looks cool. The jump cutting in this episode is really weird. It makes this episode not feel like a Blake 7 episode. Zukan Dunbroke, Gorak <laughs> leaves a bomb on the door as she goes. Classic Serverland. Avon gets staked to the ground then with one bound. Avon is free. Computers in the future are really crap. Everyone is going to suffocate and die of radiation on the base. Oh no, wait, they're not. Dumbest plan ever. Siona's reaction to her father's death just looks silly. Comparing Contrast Serverland's grief in Children of Aron. I think this episode has the most kissing. I make it a count of four. How did Ziona get all her hair under that spacesuit? I really did not like this episode. It seemed very disjointed. One to go down and save Oji. That's a good point about Ziona's hair. Didn't really think about that when she put the helmet on. Didn't really think, like, where'd the hair go? <laughs> Probably is just two wigs that she took off. Okay, but in universe, where oh, you're saying yeah. she was actually yeah. wearing like Ziona yeah. was wearing the wigs and yeah. not the actress. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Where's your evidence for this? Where's your evidence against it, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, good points about the jump cutting. Uh, makes it feel very, uh, well, not Blake 7, I guess. Feels kind of Star Trekky. And yeah, Sulin tracking down and killing your father's killers, I think is, I think we mentioned that as yeah. well. Becomes more clear in, in Blake. Slightly, slightly more clear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> slightly more clear, but like not majorly so. <laughs> and yeah, otherwise really good comments, RG. Are we no, rating okay. people's comments now? No. Figures are pretty good here. No, just saying. Really good. And <laughs> right. Thanks for emailing yeah, us. Thanks. As always. <laughs> Coming to the end of the show, so we're not going to be receiving as many emails anymore. Uh, inbox will drastically reduce in correspondence. What are we going to do for the emails we get? We're probably going to get emails after the podcast ends. <laughs> so stick oh, well. trust your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Special email response episode, and then just continue that when we get responses to that episode and just continue no, that on forever. sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, if they, they come before our final yeah. episode comes out, we can just clip them in. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, after that, it's, they just get lost to the ether. Yep. Like, everybody's going to be emailing us about the Daleks when that episode goes <laughs> out, but <laughs> not realizing that that releases an episode from four years ago. All right, we also have an email from Sergeant Trano, Warlord. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, Warlord, <laughs> I know I'm coming at it a bit late. Hopefully, this still reaches you before release. Yes, you emailed us a day before we recorded. This one opens strong. We get the brutal video of the drugged-out citizen being gunned down for fun with some sweet picture-in-picture action, followed by Avon doing his Uncle Sam routine. Hey, it's like Avon is finally leading and organizing a coordinated resistance against the Federation. Wow, it's finally happening. Zukan seems pretty cool with his sweet pink top knot and his shit from asteroids. Seems like a legit guy at first. <laughs> Were you guys fooled on first viewing? I certainly was and was quite disappointed at what a punk he turned out to be. One of the leaders in attendance may be familiar to you. It's Charles Augens, none other than Queeg 500 from Red Dwarf. <laughs> this episode. Red Dwarf is still ongoing. I just found out. Yeah, they, like, you didn't know that? revived it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they revived it like twice, actually. Oh, yeah. This episode has a couple of famous musicians exercising their acting chops too. Rick James, we're not going to say that word, plays what? Chalsa and Bobby Brown makes a very convincing woman as Ziona. And Ziona has fallen for Tarrant. Apparently, goofy hairstyles attract. Well, she didn't fall for Tarrant in this episode. I think it was implied that there was like yeah, there was a, th- a something prior between romance. Them. Yeah. Oh, no. Zucan is sabotaging the copying machine. <laughs> He's put a propane cylinder in the paper tray. That'll never feed properly. <laughs> hmm, the virus gas label on the tank might be a bit on the nose, don't you think? See attached. I like the Scorpio crew suits with the gold collars that match the color scheme of their environment suits. I can't remember if we've seen them before. Oh no, explosions. Orak gets killed by a big Lego. <laughs> Meanwhile, on beta file, Avon and Sulin get ambushed by Servland's parkour core. With troopers doing flips off the hilltop for no damn reason. Love it. Clever move by Su Lin, posing as Zukan's daughter. Servan gloats with Zukan for a bit, before secretly planting a bomb, which I can only think she must have been hiding inside her vagina. Su Lin stabs a guard in the balls with a sonic screwdriver, which I can only think she must have been hiding inside her vagina. Super sweet shot of Scorpio taking off from the planet. Sweet scene with Avon, Zukan, and Ziona. Avon, Servan never told you what happened to your daughter, Zukan. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. Siona, I am your daughter, and I'm on the base. 
Zuken, that's not true. That's impossible. Uh, and then Zuken sucks so much that he causes his own ship to implode. So even after all these years, I still don't get it. Ziona volunteers to go down to the base and fix the problem. Palmas is tired. She'll be fine. Goes down, fixes the problem, takes her glove off, and is killed by the virus gas. Why does she do that? Was she committing suicide? Throughout the whole thing, Avon gives off a vibe like he knows what's going to happen, too. Your thoughts? All in all, a pretty good episode, I thought. Not perfect, but decent and fun. Six out of seven. Sergeant Jane Station 7, the door. I think we talked about Ziona's actions at the end yeah. uh, a little bit when we recorded this episode. But like I said, I think she yeah, she was going down to commit suicide and Avon knew. And also, and- like, she seems to know when she's like, I have to do this, Tarrant. You know I have to do this. So... Yeah, I guess Tarrant was the only one not clued in. Not surprised. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> that's just Tarrant for you. Uh, Sulin, I guess, just hiding things in strange places. Uh, Ziona, like we said, seems to have a prior kind of romantic attachment to Tarrant uh, that exists prior to this episode. At least that's kind of the implication I got. And uh, Avon doing his Uncle Sam routine. And yeah. Otherwise, nice email. <laughs> Sorry, Jano. I rate it six out of seven because that's what you gave this episode. <laughs> and we've also got a few comments on the website to read uh, from Jürgen and also from uh, one from David. So, Jürgen, this comment is on episode 47. Uh, shit, I don't quite. Sand, I want to say. No, no, this was the episode before Sand. Whichever one you was before Sand. You got me on that, what that one was. I don't Was remember. it Games? I think it was yeah, games, I think it was actually. Games. Hey guys, another comment from one of your so-called serious followers. We'll be working on my Blake 7 fantasy story while I'm on the train to Antwerp. Would you be guys interested in the first draft? It's Sulin and Dana, good shades of grey, against evil. Agree with you about Mr. Derek. Keon could have reined it in slightly. However, enjoy his performance. And I'm happy that I can continue to listen to his dulcet tones courtesy of Big Finish. His English enunciation is beautiful, don't you think? I was also reminded of the episode name. Nice to have lady voices for computers in Series D. <laughs> yeah, it was games. Okay, now we have uh, a section to go through. This first one uh, on episode 48. This is Sand, Decade of Tan featuring RG. It was actually Sulin who suggested a rainstorm might be enough to kill the sand on the planet. There's some nice bonding of her and Dana over being allowed to live. More evidence that these women liked each other. Sulin cares about Dana. That's why she's angry when she finds out about Tarrant. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I actually forgotten that Sulin was the one who figured out uh, that the rain would kill the sand. And that's kind of a major plot point, a major character developing moment for Sulin that we... Uh, major in the sense that it's like the most major thing she kind of does. I mean, it's not... If, if she was more focused on, it wouldn't have stood out as much, I think. Right. And then uh, some comments on episode 49, Ocean 7 featuring uh, Maurice. This was, what was that episode? Gold. Gold. I listen to this podcast for you guys. Your opinions are refreshing. You make me laugh in a good way. So a way to laugh in a bad way? Interesting point about our hero shooting armed peeps willy-nilly. I suppose Sulin has to shoot the guards because otherwise they would have killed themselves. Maurice is a great guest. There's just so much to comment on. Such a great podcast. Good point about the teleport. Never thought about how silly it was that Blake to, of Blake to mention it earlier on. Dana not shooting Silverland. She was holding a gun against Keela's head. I know it's weak. I know I go on about Sulin and Dana, but I'm biased when it comes to Saffas after all. Isn't it great to see how Gunslinger is standing up to Avon again? He has definitely lost it. It makes it easy for me to find another reason for Sulin and Dana to sort of commit mutiny in my fantasy Blake 7 story. 
I'm extremely curious to hear your fantasy Blake Seven story, Jürgen. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be fascinating. <laughs> uh, Sulin and Dana running off, committing mutiny. Interesting. Very interesting. There'll be a lot of unique concepts for this fantasy Blake Seven thing. Yeah. And we can and just I'm blend them all into one I'm mess. I'm super excited, actually. <laughs> I'm actually really excited to see what everybody's come up with. Yeah. Because I haven't taken a look at lo- a lot of them yet. Because I don't want to influence my own. I want to make my own. I just I realized I haven't put, like, the last three that I saw on Twitter on the doc. So yeah. thanks for reminding me. Yeah, you better put... We have our own little internal Google Doc where we've been keeping them. <laughs> and then we have one more comment from David. This is on episode 50, Dollar for Toothpaste featuring Sergeant Drano. Uh, that's Orbit. Jackie had a wardrobe malfunction this episode. It is the first scene with her in a groin. You can see her boob. <laughs> John Savadin. Glad we're watching this in the 21st century with pause technology. <laughs> had previously appeared in the Blake 7 episode trial as old Starkiller. Huh. Huh. I didn't notice the wardrobe malfunction. Shows how much attention I was paying, I guess. Actually, I don't know how obvious it was. So it was really easy to miss. I don't know. And I'm not going to go back to find it. So <laughs> just going to well, take your word for it, David. Are you really? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and uh, so thank you, for everyone, for reaching out, as always, and sending us your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it, as always. We love hearing from our listeners and getting different perspectives on the show. Especially as we're drawing near to the end. Right, especially as uh, our own time with the show comes to a close the arms of an angel anyway uh, in regards to our fantasy Blake 7 basically we're asking for our fans to and you know even if you're not a fan of Zenith you can you can email us I guess yeah anyone email uh, Facebook Twitter or leave a comment on the the website. website just you know kind of pitching your fantasy version of Blake 7 like fantasy football but for Blake 7 uh right so Playing the characters, who would you have doing scripts, script editing, producer, whatever you want. Story ideas. Story and you, you ideas. Can, you can set this in like, you know, an alternate history where series E happened, I guess, yeah. or like a, a reboot or something. You know, you just you can do whatever you or want. Or like from the 80s, like in the era of Blake 7, if you could cast anyone, who would do it? If you could draw from any era, who would you cast? Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it, really. <laughs> like it's very open-ended and it's open-ended intentionally. Right. And on our final episode, which we'll be releasing the week after The Way Ahead, we'll be releasing one final wrap-up episode for Zenith. On that episode, we'll be going over people's fantasy kind of Blake 7. We'll be pitching our own as well. Yeah. And just reflecting on the podcast, probably. just reflecting on the podcast and the show and looking back fondly on what we've done. (laughs) Looking back fondly on how we burned ourselves out. (laughs) So again, the four sort of channels you can yeah. you can pitch your idea on or email, mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website. As we said, we'll be joined by a guest next week. And if you would like to email us pending the end of the podcast, if there's anything you want to get in before the end, uh, mainly your fantasy Blake Seven stuff, be sure to get that in. I know we've been I've been cl- clipping in a <laughs> clip of us saying it every week, but in case you forgot, get those in before the end of the show. And we record a week in advance, so try to get them in bef- a week before the final episode is going to go out. You can reach us at thedoctordecadivegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, thank you, rants, love letters, your thoughts on Warlord, the titular Warlord Zukov. Zukan. Zukan. We've had a Zukov before. 
Really? On one of our podcasts. We had Zoroff. We had a Zukov somewhere. You can we you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith, a Blake Seven Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show. Check us on Facebook, trust your doctor, like us on Facebook, also check us on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter and next time. We're going to be joined by Jim from the Crinoid Podcast. Right. Initially, we said we're going to be joined by Jim and Martin, but due to some behind-the-scenes stuff, Martin won't be able to join us, so we're just going to be joined by Jim. But we will be joined by Jim next week. Right. We've already set it all up. It's going to work. And we're going to be finishing up the Blake 7 TV series with Blake. But until then, the end. <laughs>